All right, well, welcome back to another week here at Hope Nevada. Uh, my name's Jason, and I'll be one of your hosts as always this week. And I'm with Whitney, uh, who is uh, our second host. And uh, I'll go ahead and turn it over to her, and we're going to introduce our guest for the day. Of course. Well, we're excited to be here today with Chris Rhodes. And Chris Rhodes is representing the Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet here in Reno. And since 1996, Good Shepherd's goal has been to provide for those in need by providing clothing and personal care items to those who can't afford them. Um, due to donations from private donors and grant funding, all items given to those in need are able to be provided free of cost. So we're excited to be here with Chris today, and I'm going to turn it over to you to kind of introduce who you are and what Good Shepherd's is and what, what all y'all do. Well, my name is Chris Rhodes. I'm the executive director of Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet. We were founded in 1996, and I've been with the organization as executive director now for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And we were begun by a group of people from a local church, and one of the people was working in a thrift store. And she noticed that a lot of people were coming into the thrift store to get clothes but even at thrift store prices, it was prohibitive for a lot of individuals and families, especially families. And so she got together with a group of friends, and they decided that what they would do was they would, would found an organization that could give away clothes for free to people in need. Originally, when we first opened, we were just taking care of working men, men who had jobs or men who were out looking for work. And we were seeing maybe about a dozen people a day at the most. And over time, as the idea caught on, uh, we started providing for women and children and the whole family. And we went from, like I said, about a dozen people a day to sometimes we'll serve up to 120 to 130 people. And we're only open for uh, from 10.30 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. Wow. So you can see that there's a lot of people being fit in in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. It's very intense, uh, but we're, we're so glad to do it. One of the things that we've realized over a period of time is that uh, we're located at Record Street at the Community Assistance Center, mm -hmm. but a lot of people either can't get down there or they're afraid to go down there or our hours of operation don't quite meet with their schedules. Sure. So one of the things that we started doing, we started doing this about, I believe about four years ago, is we started going out into the community to elementary schools in, in low-income areas and to other sites where we're invited and we'll go out and we'll spend a couple hours there. And well, it's like last Saturday, for example, we were at Sparks Christian Fellowship. We were here for only a few hours, but we saw approximately 200 children, wow. okay? Wow. And here's why that's significant for us to get out and get into the community. We saw approximately 200 children last month for the entire month at our downtown facility, we saw 193 children. Wow. You see the difference? When we get out into the community, we can do a month's worth of work in just a few hours as opposed to what happens if we just sit downtown. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, you, you mentioned that, Chris, and I, and I think it's such a great uh, tie-in to kind of what this whole podcast is built around, that 
we can do so much more together than we can individually, whether it's individual to individual or organization to organization. Um, and I know here at SEF, um, like you said, uh, Anna, who is our outreach director, uh-huh. who you deal with directly a lot, um, we were just talking about the clothing giveaway here on Saturday, and she just she said, you know, an hour before we were supposed to open, there was a line out the building around the corner, and, and she was just talking about where that crowd came from. So it wasn't just for us, we're here in, uh, you know, kind of in the, in the, the center of Sparks, downtown Sparks, if you will, there is a downtown in Sparks. We just made it up. All right. So, uh, All right. There's a hope Nevada and there's a downtown Sparks. Um, but she was talking about people from as far as Stead and, you know, and just word of mouth, right? Like so much of it is just word of mouth and, um, and it just goes to point to the need that so many times we don't even realize exists. And that those people, uh, especially people in, in who maybe are struggling financially, uh, to get from, say, our neighborhood here in Sparks to Record Street, you know, if you can just jump in your car, it's a short drive. And right. Yeah, you might have to deal with some of the, the, the peripheral stuff there. But for people who maybe are uh, challenged in terms of their transportation, those kind of things... That's a big endeavor um, sometimes. It is. And people are challenged in ways that a lot of us don't realize. And I'll give you an example of that. One of the first times that we went out to uh, elementary school, it was in the North Valleys. Mm-hmm. And it was an evening event. We were there from, I believe it was 6 to 8 o'clock. And it was, a, it was an event that uh, dovetailed into a parent-teacher event that was going mm-hmm. on at that school. Yep. And... It had a really low turnout, and I was surprised, and I, I asked the principal, I said, isn't this disappointing that the parents aren't coming out to support their children? And the principal looked at me, and she said, here's something that you have to understand. She says, it's not that the parents don't care about their children. She said, these parents, each of the parents works, and it's not that they have one job. Both parents have two jobs. Wow, yeah. And that's something that I don't think a lot of us think about. Yeah. We think about two-income families, but we don't think that perhaps both parents have two jobs. Mm. And that's an example of the kind of, of thing that uh, low-income families in our community face. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot about how the, the economy is improving, yeah. but it doesn't improve the same way for everybody. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we have to understand is we can't just look at the high marks of success that we're having, but we've got to look at every strata of our of our society and understand that not everybody, even in good times, reaps all the good stuff that everybody else is getting. Well, and a lot of times, yeah, to echo that, and I think we see those challenges in our community, that just because the upper middle class and above are doing very well economically, Right, that actually can create a lot more disparity on the other end. So housing challenges, rent, um, rent increases that are just exorbitant. Um, that you know those who those few who can absorb it, it doesn't feel they don't feel it at all. Um, but it really affects huge numbers of families in ways that maybe we don't we don't always perceive. Yeah, that's that's one of our our goals is to free up a portion of a person's or a family's income. Mm. Um, 
you know, rent right now is, is really high in the Reno Sparks area. Yeah. Um, and um, it's, it's, it takes a major portion of a person's income to pay for housing, especially families. It can take, in the present uh, economy here in this area, it can take as much as 40-50% of a, of a family's income. Mm -hmm. So if we can free up a portion of that income, take for example a family that has maybe four children. Mm -hmm. they, if they have to go out and buy clothes for their children, they're going to spend over $1,000 a year. Yeah. And it's not that they can't do hand-me-downs, but eventually those hand-me-downs are going to wear out. Sure. Right. So we want to free up the, 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 the money that's available to a family. And uh, we, we operate uh, on a very slim budget of approximately $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. But we will provide approximately $950,000 worth of clothes this year if those clothes are valued at thrift store prices wow. and that's about a 10 to 1 return on investment mm. and we think that's a fantastic business model for anybody sure mm. no doubt no wow. doubt well i think you, you know that point you just made is so important for people to understand not just in what you guys do but so many organizations in the community that you know you look at a clothes closet and you may assume well they're just addressing one very niche need mm -hmm. but how providing one, uh, whether, you know, in this instance, it's clothing, how that affects the ability of a family to then redirect that money to places that are needed. Exactly. So it doesn't just affect that one niche component. It affects everything. And I think that's such an important concept for people to get when we're talking about agencies that serve our community is that um, even though they may be specialized, their effect is not specialized. Our, the effect is not specialized. And even though we are specialized in that we give away clothes, we do a few other things in the community mm -hmm. as well. Uh, we depend on volunteers. We have uh, two paid employees, and all of the rest of our labor is done by, by volunteers. Wow. Some of those, vo most of the volunteers, a lot of them, come from churches or, or fraternal organizations or mm -hmm. somebody that just wants to come in and and volunteer, but also a lot of our volunteers are people who uh, are told that they're going to be a volunteer by a judge in a courtroom. Sure. Okay. So uh, we provide a safe place for people to do community service. Mm -hmm. We especially like to see young people come down and do community mm -hmm. service because when they come to us, they're not in an orange vest on the side of the road being with the same people that got them into trouble to begin with. Sure. And so they can come down to Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet. Uh, uh, we actually provide our volunteers with lunch. Mm. Um, and uh, they can be there. They can see a few things about life that perhaps they had been ignoring. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've, we've had really good success with young people coming down, uh, especially in summers and in vacation times, volunteering at Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet. Yeah. A lot of our volunteers are also people who who live in the shelters. Mm -hmm. uh, they're people who are uh, looking for jobs. So one of the things that we're able to do for people looking for jobs is we make an agreement with them that if they'll come down and volunteer with us for a specific period of time, mm -hmm. obey all the rules, 
we'll be a reference for them. We'll stand up for them when they go out wow. to apply for a job. Wow. And we'll do the best for them because they've done the best for us. Wow. And we're, we, we're really proud of being able to do that. Some of our volunteers are people that uh, they, they've been our clients in the past. People that uh, we've been able to provide clothes for or, or helped get a job. And uh, they'll come in and they'll volunteer. And we really appreciate that because that's a good witness to, to what we're doing in the community. Wow. Yeah. That is so that is so cool to think about because I think it can be really easy when we're starting something or we're volunteering with something to just see it very linear and just think that we know what dots we're connecting and, oh, I'm starting this clothes closet to help those who need clothes. And yet God is able to take it and repurpose it in so many different ways that to hear you say, and this has also turned into ministry to be a, a safe and encouraging place for someone to come to a community service or that we can turn around and be a reference for somebody that's looking for a job. That is such a, that is such a bigger vision than anything I would have seen when I heard clothing closet. I'm so glad you mentioned God <laughs> because our name is Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet and people need to know Good Shepherd is Jesus Christ and that's one of the things that uh, we're able to get across to people uh, even though uh, the schools that we go out to are secular schools uh, we haul the clothes out there in a van that we have that on the side it says Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet mm -hmm. And so people get the idea of, of what, we, what it is that we're representing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're very careful with the clothes that we, that we hand out. Uh, we screen them so that they're not advertising for something that, shouldn't, that a Christian organization shouldn't be advertising. We look out for logos that, that are inappropriate. And uh, we, we look at the quality of the clothes. And uh, the reason that we look at the quality of the clothes, some people take the attitude of, well, these are homeless people, let's just, you know, they'll be happy with anything. But here's the thing. If we're representing Jesus Christ, and somebody walks out of our store not any better off than when they walked in, how have we represented Jesus? Mm -hmm. The answer is we haven't represented him at all. And so we, we, we try to be to be careful with the quality of clothes that we give. The problem with that is we get a lot more women's clothes than we do men's clothes. Mm. Because any self-respecting man who is 40 or 50 years old still has a t-shirt left over from high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the way we do it, okay? Whether they can still fit into it or not. Exactly, exactly. And they try to fit into exactly. it. Or whether they should yeah. Yeah. fit into it or not. We have somebody on our staff here who might fit that. <laughs> <laughs> women, on the other hand, believe it or not, we get clothes from women who are cleaning out their closets, and they bring us clothes that they've had in their closets for a year that still have the original price tags on them. So... You know, little... I'm, I'm glad to know that doesn't happen only in my home. <laughs> okay, so I appreciate I appreciate knowing that. But uh, but we 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 really uh, are grateful for all the clothes that we get. Um, we we have a there we get a lot of things that uh, uh, we don't need. People like to donate other things to us besides clothes. When people donate things to us other than clothes or shoes or bedding. Uh, it really slows us down in processing things. Mm. But nevertheless, when we do get those things, 
we we have a deal where we trade with uh, Catholic charities, okay. and uh, they take the things we don't want, and in return they give us clothes that we do want, like men's clothes. Oh, nice. Probably about fifty percent of the men's clothes that we get through actually Catholic. come through Catholic charities. Wow. Another great partner that we have is Reno Sparks Gospel Mission, mm -hmm. and uh, Reno Sparks Gospel Mission. One of the one of the good things about uh, volunteering at Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet on a weekday is uh, the gospel mission provides our people with lunch. Mm -hmm. And so that's, a, that's, a, that's another, uh, another witness that is taking place downtown. Yeah. And uh, so we cooperate with a lot of different organizations. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's, overall, it's a joy. It's a joy to, to do this, but it does have challenges because... Uh, there's three things that we need. We need clothes, we need volunteers, and we need money. And the truth is, we have clothes in abundance. There's clothes that we, that we always need, like in the winter we need coats and sweatshirts mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And in the summer we need lighter clothing. Uh, but clothing overall is not a problem for us. It's the other two, the, the financing and the volunteers. Mm. I love that you brought that up about donating, um, not not with the attitude of, oh, well, if somebody's homeless or if somebody's low income, they're going to appreciate anything. Uh, I remember reading in a guidepost one time when I was a little girl and my grandma always had guideposts. And it was just one of those stories that always stuck with me. And it was a mom and daughter and they were packing up a bag for Goodwill or Salvation mm -hmm. Army or one of those. And... Uh, the mom threw in some old dirty shoes mm -hmm. and the daughter asked mom, what are you doing? And she said, Oh, well I'm, I'm giving away shoes to those who need help. And the daughter said, but that helps you, not them mm. to get rid of your old junk. Right. Like, well, who are you really trying to help here? Cause if right. you're trying to clean out your closet, that's much different than I'm trying to truly help someone so I appreciate you bringing that up just for all of us to be mindful of when we're giving to those in need. Are we doing this to help us or are we really doing this to help right. someone in need and giving yeah. what we would hope to receive? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one, one of the things that bothers me about the society in which we live is the incredible amount of waste that we generate. Sure. Um, that's why we have so, so much clothes is, mm. Because people keep going and buying and buying and buying. There's an incredible... There's nothing wrong with a person having good things. Sure. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm preaching against that. But at the same time, when we keep buying and doing the same things over and over again, and we, we wonder why there's so much poverty that is going unaddressed in our country... Mm -hmm. We need to look at ourselves, and we also need to look at uh, Jesus mm -hmm. and the example that he set for us in how to live out our lives, how to relate to other people. And this, of course, is one of the great things historically about the Christian church, is that we do look after people who are less fortunate than we are. And, uh, and that goes back to the founders of Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet, who saw that there are people in our community that can't even afford to shop in a thrift store. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, it's, it's one of those things that we need to address. It's, you, I've had people 
tell me, you know, at least we're not like Los Angeles or San Francisco. And I just shake my head and I say, you know what, if we don't do something, we will be like Los Angeles and San Francisco. Because that's just, just the way that things are, things are going. Um, but we do see a lot of hope. We, we see a lot of good things happening. We see people getting jobs. We see, we see children uh, with good clothes to, to, to go to school. You know, one of the, the things that is being emphasized is bullying in schools. Mm. Statistics, I love to quote statistics where I don't even know where I got them from. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, studies... There's a great Mark Twain line about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there, there are studies that, are, that have been done that give one of the top ten reasons that children don't want to go to school is because they don't have the kind of clothes mm. that will allow them to fit in. Yeah. So they don't want to go to school because if they wear the clothes that are inappropriate, they're going to be bullied. And bullying is one of the big issues that we have in our schools today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that's not in the top three reasons kids <laughs> yeah. don't want to go to school. Yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, I think it's, you know, you mentioned people don't assume that we have the scope of problems with, um, you know, whether it's homelessness or low-income challenges for families and those things like a city like San Francisco or like L.A. And um, and I think it's, you know, and it, it's interesting. Uh, I was down on Victorian on Monday after or evening, and we were sitting out in front there on the street, and um, that part of Sparks, at least, is really close to the bus station. Mm-hmm. And so you see um, a, a ton of, especially homeless or, um, you know, people who are just struggling economically walk from the bus station to in and out there. Like it's, yes. And so, and I'm, we're there a lot of Mondays and I happened to be just watching this week. And there was a guy who you could tell who was probably on the streets and he's literally just picking from the get the trash can right next to our group of people. Right. And, and, um, and so it reminded me of one of the reasons we do this podcast is we kind of took a, a there's a line, a quote again, I, I'm like you, I can't remember where the quote came from, like the statistic, but it's a great quote where it it basically says, when we find ourselves exposed to darkness, we can do one of two things. Mm-hmm. We can curse the darkness or we can light a candle. Yes. Right? Yes. And complaining is kind of the way of our culture right now that we just, we, 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 we decry the darkness, we complain about it being there, but that never made it less dark. Right. Um, the only way to address darkness is to bring light to bear, right? Because yes. darkness is not anything. It's the absence of something. Yes, exactly. And so, um, you know, so if you think about it, you're complaining about nothing, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I think, you know, it's so easy in those situations. And if I'm honest, I've probably done it myself at times where you kind of just look at other people's situations and you think that it inconveniences you in some way. Right. I'm sitting here just right. trying to have a nice dinner. Why do I have to be? Um, but what you said is so key. We have the opportunity to step in and to help other people. Um, and not only does that help them, but I think it also helps us because, you know, one of the things you, you were talking about earlier is we're such a um, kind of a culture of affluence yes. and irresponsible affluence. Right. right. So that yes. we... We buy clothes that we don't need. And then you have to start asking, why do we do things like that? And we can get into that whole discussion, I guess. Um, but it's interesting. You know, one of the things that sociologists are seeing right now, in our, especially among people in the 30, 
is kind of this return to minimalism, mm-hmm. right? Minimalism is such a big thing right now, especially among younger people, because they recognize that our affluence hasn't made us better. Mm-hmm. Right. It's made us more disconnected from each other, less happy, less content. Um, and, you know, and so how do we, how do we react out of that? And I think, you know, part of what you guys are doing is beyond the clothes, we're providing dignity to people, right? We're not just throwing trash at them. We're, um, you guys are saying, no, we want to give them value in that giving them something that is not less than what I would wear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, we, dignity is a huge part of it. You know, uh, we like to say that we're, we're made in the image of God. Mm. So every human being that we curse, either verbally or by our actions, we're insulting God. Sure. And, uh, and that's, that's one of the things that we, we need to be careful how we approach people. And unfortunately, we tend to approach people very casually. Sure. And, uh, and we, we don't always have the time to be intentional with people that we run across, mm. but we need to find ways to do it. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned the, the, the huge number of people that we, that we serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we can't uh, communicate to each and every one of them individually. Sure. But if we can at least stand there and say that we are the good shepherd's clothes closet, mm. if we can at least say that to people, hopefully they will get the idea. Um, you know, this, this year, um, we're going to see a lot of people come through good shepherd's clothes closet. And one of the, one of the sad things is that we're not going to have as many volunteers to take care of them this year as we've had in the past. Mm. Like I've said, we usually have about 10,000 hours of volunteer people, and that's probably going to be down by at least 1,000 hours this year. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people to come and to serve with us. It's not just coming down and hanging clothes, but it's also relating to the people that we're giving clothes to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not, if somebody comes in and says, I need prayer, we're not beyond taking a little bit of time to, to pray with somebody. Sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have a prayer box mm-hmm. uh, and uh, prominently displayed. And people that uh, have prayer requests, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll take those. And, and I look at those every morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are actually heartbreaking. The one that sticks in my mind was from, this has been a few months now, but it was from a lady, she said, I'm 91 years old and I'm looking for a peaceful place to die. Mm. Wow. And I'm thinking, what kind of an outlook on life is that? How lonely she must be. How lonely she must be. And that just goes to show that when these people come through, Mm -hmm. we don't understand their stories, the stories that they have, yeah. the heartbreak that they encounter in their lives. And it's an ongoing, everyday thing with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you use the word, uh, in, in what you were just saying, the word intentional, intentionality, how 
so often because we are such a kind of rapid paced, busy, um, I won't say necessarily productive, but I'll say busy culture. We right? are. Uh, and there's a difference between activity and achievement, right? Like um, Very much so. And But one of the words we use a lot here at SCF is the word intentionality. Um, and we talk about the idea that we never want to be, that as followers of Jesus, we should never be people who live unintentional lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? That so I think so many people live unintentionally. Right? It's just reactive. Um, and so one of the things we, we really hope to do as a community of followers of Jesus is so we want to be intentional in everything we do, in every relationship. And there, it always reminds me of the story of the disciples going to the temple, and they come across the lame man, and he asks them for some money. And there's there's a great line in that story that people don't talk about a lot, where it says the first thing they did was they just looked at him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is such, it seems to be just passing in the story, but I think it may be the key component in it, in that for a, an observant Jew... On the way to the temple, the last thing you wanted to do was look at a lame person or come in close proximity because it could devolve into a bad day, right? Because right. you could become unclean and all that. But I always remember that story because they looked at this man in the eye and they gave him value. Mm-hmm. They gave him. They were intentional about what they did next. And I think, you know, so often, and one of the things that hopefully through the podcast we're trying to ask people in the community is... Not just volunteer. Hmm. Yeah, you need to do that. You need to find agencies that you can invest time and energy in because it's good for your heart and it's good for other people. But also, let that be an impetus to start living intentionally. Yes. Don't just happen your way through life. Be intentional in every conversation. Be intentional in every interaction. Be intentional in everything you do because that's what... Not only following Jesus looks like, but I think that's what productive life looks like. Yes. Is that I do very little just because we don't want to float through life. I'll say it that way, maybe. Yeah. What comes to my mind is uh, where Scripture tells us to uh, work out your salvation with Mm -hmm. fear and trembling. It's not that we're going to get our salvation because we're good. We know that it comes through Jesus Christ sure. and we're not that good. But we do live out our salvation we live in, in, in being grateful that we've got it. Yeah. And we show our gratefulness to God by going out and doing the things that we are supposed to be doing to enrich the lives of our fellow human beings and helping to build God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's why a lot of us are here. This is, this is, this is how, we, how we lead our lives. This is what we think about uh, when we go about our, our daily routines. How is this going to enrich somebody? And not only does it enrich somebody, but how can I convey to them that this is done in the name of Jesus Christ? Right. And that's the hard part. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I've noticed with people is we get a, our society gets a reputation that we're unchurched. And I get that, but when you start talking to people, you'll find that most people have had some sort of an encounter with church, with, with Christians. A lot of times um, they're bitter because things didn't necessarily go well for them. Sure. Uh, and and that's that's too bad. Uh, 
uh, and we want to put a positive face on that. We, we want to know that whatever, whatever, however you've been hurt in the past, that doesn't have to be now. Sure. And uh, um, we've we've turned a few of our, our of our volunteers around. Mm -hmm. uh, the people who come into us off the street and and people that come to us through the through the courts. Uh, we we had one lady years ago. Um, she she was assigned to do community service with us, mm -hmm. and uh, she was uh, in a wheelchair. She was about eighty years old. She cursed with words that you and I cannot even imagine, and the judge had told her, "You're going." You, the judge said, "I'll give you a choice. You can either go to jail or you can do community service." And she said, "I'll go to jail." <laughs> and the judge said, "No. If you went to jail, they'd kill you." So he got a hold of us and he said, "Look, here's the problem with this lady. She's just socially unacceptable. She doesn't get along with anybody." Can you do something with her? And so we, t we took her and we, we, I mean, you really didn't want anybody around her. Mm. So we took her and we, we put her in the back room where nobody could, needed to have contact with her. And every day for the few hours that she was there, we had her uh, stamp our name in Bibles. Okay, mm -hmm. that's what she did. She just, <laughs> and, she, and she did this for a couple hours a day and just cursed and whatever. On her final day, she came up to me and she said, can I have one of those Bibles? Whether she read it or not, mm -hmm. it's not, not my place to say. I don't know. But the point is, there was something about that that got her attention. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, uh, she mm -hmm. did something with the Bible, but it got her attention. Yeah. And that's one of the good things about Good Shepherd's Clothes. Another good thing about Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet is there are a lot of people that are assigned by courts to do community service or a lot of people who want to do community service mm -hmm. that are physically disabled and they can't really fit in anywhere else. Sure. We, since we're an independent organization, we get to make up our own rules. Mm -hmm. We'll find a place for them. We, yeah. we, can, find a, we can find a place for them. We, we can make them fit in. Yeah. And uh, we've done that over the years, and we've had we've had people. Uh, we had one gentleman come in, and he wanted to volunteer. That was his big thing. He had a heart condition, and uh, what we did was he came in a couple times a week for an hour or two, and he would put out shoes. He'd go. He'd take a couple pairs of shoes and put him out in the store, he'd come back and he'd sit down and rest. Wow. And then after five or ten minutes, he'd feel the strength again and he'd go out and he'd, he'd put a, out another five or six pair of shoes. So if people want to volunteer at Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet, we can use you. Mm -hmm. And it's not just uh, hanging clothes, it's checking people in and checking them out. Mm -hmm. uh, we also need... Uh, responsible adults who can uh, drive a van. We do pickups uh, once a week. Mm -hmm. We could easily expand that to twice a week if we had enough enough mm -hmm. drivers to do that. Uh, we like for people to make their donations, though, to actually come down to where we are mm -hmm. because they, then they can see what it is we're doing. Sure. Mm -hmm. And we want people to see what we're doing. It's so important 
that people don't just give us money or give us clothes and then walk away from it. People need to see what's actually going on because if people see what's going on, it's not going to just benefit our organization, but I think that it will benefit other organizations as well, and they will see that the need is genuine. And that's one of the things... I really appreciate you bringing that up, Chris, because that's one of the things I feel like we've addressed in almost every episode of the podcast is the importance of having names and faces attached to our, to what we would consider societal issues or um, symptomatic injustices, any of that. That I, I loved when you shared that story about being at the school and you were vulnerable in the assumption that you had made, oh, there aren't parents here. This must mean that the parents don't care about the children. And then when the principal is able to kind of introduce you to some hard reality mm-hmm. that says, oh, wow, my my assumption from the outside, it wasn't until I got closer that I was able to see the picture. Right. And I think when we're addressing issues of poverty, homelessness, low income, whatever those things are, it can be really easy for me to stand back and make assumptions that are entirely false. And as I get closer, as I'm on Record Street, as I'm standing in Good Shepherd, as I'm having conversations with people coming in, that is going to change my heart. Yes. And, you know, it. poverty, it's not just a tangible monetary poverty that we deal with. There's a spiritual poverty as sure. well. And I've been surprised when I've been contacted by schools, uh, some of the high schools like McQueen or uh, Damani Ranch, and they'll say, how can our families access your services? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, wow, I would have not expected that, mm-hmm. in, that in that part of Reno. In the, but, but it does exist because mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on behind the walls of these houses. We don't know about the, the, the drug addictions. We don't know about uh, the financial situations of, of people who are living beyond their means. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the things that, that uh, it shocks me to think that there is poverty beyond just the low-income uh, segment of our population. And it's one of the things we find in every agency that we talk to as part of the podcast, right, is the people, is that what people perceive to be the issues with a certain population or a certain are not necessarily the full issue, right? And so, like you said, it's not confined to a certain area of Reno downtown where you can readily see poverty because people are on the street. Um, it exists in Damani Ranch. It mm-hmm. exists in... Spanish Springs, it exists in South Reno, right? Like, uh, these things are not as neat and tidy as we want them to be. And so I think maybe that's, you've already kind of, uh, kind of led into a little bit. What are some misconceptions as you guys have dealt with, um, a clientele that goes across the spectrum? I'm sure. What are some misconceptions people have about, um, the clients that you guys deal with or that you see? Misconceptions are that um, people are uneducated. Actually, there's a lot of very well-educated people who have come across hard economic times. Uh, we see that frequently. And this is, this is one of the, the reasons why 
we like to be a, a source of reference for people for people mm -hmm. who are looking for jobs is because there are actually people you know you you would think that our clients would only qualify for the low low income jobs and that's pro that probably is the majority of them but there are people that they can go out and they can get some of the better payer, paying jobs if they can get over certain hurdles they have in their lives sure addictions are a huge thing mm -hmm. they're a, they're they're just just huge mm -hmm. um people other unusual things uh that we come across are um you you don't we don't always we hear about it but i don't think that we often see what divorce can do to a family the way that it can devastate uh the the life of the 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 two spouses and also and especially the children we had a situation where there was a a, a lady who uh she was originally from reno she had moved with her husband to Oregon, and while they were in Oregon, they got a divorce, and she wanted to come back to be with her family in Reno, mm -hmm. and because she wanted to come back to Reno, the husband got custody of the children in Oregon, mm -hmm. and so she came down here to, to Reno, and she went through the court system, and uh, her lawyer eventually got, got the, the uh, court to agree that he was to give up custody of the children, and so he was to bring them down to, to Reno and hand them over to, to the mother. And that's exactly what he did. He brought the children down and on the courthouse steps gave uh, the, the mother custody of the children. That's all that he gave her. He did not give her any of the children's possessions. Oh, wow. That was a time where uh, I got the call late in the day when we were getting ready to close and you know you're never in the mood when you're getting ready to close yeah. to, to take care of those special situations but we told the the the, the lady uh, come on down and we'll take care of you and it actually turned into a party and it was it was so cool to have this mother with these little children who had been deprived of everything that they owned in the world. And these were children that were like seven, eight, nine years old. Wow. And uh, that's another example of we don't see into other people's lives. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't understand these unusual things that are taking place in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we've helped people. Uh, over, we, we have had, we partnered with other agencies in helping people overcome their addictions, mm -hmm. uh, getting jobs and, and getting medical attention. Um, that's, that's, that's a huge part of what we do beyond giving out clothes. Mm -hmm. And the important thing here is to be able to do it. This is, this is the challenge. This is a huge challenge is to keep ourselves always in a position where we can give God the glory because sometimes we see so much of this stuff going on that we just we, we, we forget about God and we forget that he's the reason that we're here mm. and we need to be reminded of that and uh, a lot of times the clients will remind us because they'll say oh 
Praise Jesus that you're here. And here's the thing about when somebody says that to you, um, says, thank God that you're here. Thank, thank Jesus that you're here. A lot of times they're saying it just because they think that's the thing that they're supposed to say since you're a Christian organization. Sure. And one of the things that we need to do is we need to be able to take the time to say, oh, you're thanking Jesus. What do you know about Jesus? Hmm. How is Jesus in your life? Because a lot of times we'll, we'll find that the people who are using Jesus' name really don't know a whole lot about him. They've been exposed to him, but they really don't know very much about him. Which is part of that intentionality. That the we intentionality, were about. Yeah. exactly. Yes. Cool. Well, Chris, one thing that I would love for you to say before we wrap up is earlier we were talking about just the need for volunteers, and you talked about individual volunteers, but you also said even a group of people, a group of five to eight people who can come in on a Saturday for two hours, that's hugely helpful to your organization. Yes. And I felt like it was important to say that if we have any small group leaders listening or yes. anybody that has five date friends that you could round up on a Saturday, right. and if someone wanted to do that, what would their next step be? Their next step would be to uh, call up Good Shepherd's Clothes Closet or contact us online. And um, we'll set up a date. We'll make some sort of arrangement. Um, you don't have to be adults. Uh, we love to have children. Chil children are great. Uh, young people are great to come down because they're full of energy. Sure. And, and they'll, they'll just go at it and they'll think that they're doing a great thing, which they are. And uh, they, they outlast me. I get tired before they do. But you know, it's it's easy to come down on a on a on a Saturday, or sometimes even a, an evening during the week. Uh, bring five to eight people. Uh, we don't like big groups. Small groups work best. Mm -hmm. If you're there for two hours, if there's eight people that come for two hours, that's sixteen hours worth of work, mm. and that really adds up. And we're very appreciative of that. We also need volunteers who are willing to make. A commitment to come in on a regular basis. Okay. People who can make that sort of a commitment tend to be older people who are retired. And the thing about retired people is they like to travel. So we get volunteers that come in and they'll volunteer with us for maybe three or four months. Mm -hmm. They'll go take their trip. They'll come back. That's fine. Uh, sure. You know, we have other people hopefully to take their place while they're gone. And then they can take somebody else's place. So when we ask for a commitment, it's a commitment that hopefully is mutually agreeable between us and the person that's volunteering. We can work that out. And as I said, uh, we can uh, uh, tailor the, the different uh, volunteer positions to mm -hmm. people who have disabilities. And uh, I, one of the things that I, that I haven't mentioned that I would like to is we're, we've been talking about people, primarily families that live in poverty, but don't forget people who are physically and mentally disabled and sure. cannot hold jobs. Yeah. Remember elderly who are living on fixed incomes. Mm -hmm. uh, those people also work into the equation, yeah. and uh, we need to, to remember everybody. Uh, it's very important. And uh, So, Chris, what is, what's the number they can reach you guys at? Phone number? 775 uh, Three four eight zero six zero five. And you said online. So, what, do you guys have a website? We do have a website. What's that address? Do you know? 
If not, we can Actually, put it I in think the link. I have it pulled up. We'll pull it up right here. See, yes. what, what, I never. Why should I know my phone number? Well, I never call myself. Exactly. I, I fully agree. Fully agree. <laughs> um, it looks like the website is gsccreno.org. gsccreno.org. Sounds about right to me. Cool. <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming in today. Um, we want to encourage everybody if you're looking for a place to serve. Um, uh, Good Shepherds is a great place to start or a great place to consider as part of that. And so please reach out to them. Thank you so much for coming in and being part of this thank conversation you, today. And, and even beyond that, thank you so much for what you guys are doing in, in Northern Nevada. Well, thank you. And I might mention that Sparks Christian Fellowship is actually one of our major supporters. And so uh, I, I appreciate being here. This is an honor and uh, I keep meeting good people from Sparks Christian Fellowship, and I just we hide I the just rest of them. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I just I just love this this church, you know. And frequently, people will ask me for a recommendation of where where should I be going to church, and I I talk to them a little bit sure. to see where they're at in their life and 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 what would be a good fit for them, and I recommend this this congregation quite a bit. Thank you for that. Yeah, and we certainly value the partnership with Good Shepherds. And uh, uh, thank you again. Thank you.